You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. Do my prejudices influence communication of the gospel? What is my position as a Christian on mission? Is Christianity compatible with other religious expression? Is evangelism simply white colonization? Do all expressions of faith lead to the same ultimate outcome? We can boldly face the relativism that is influencing missions and overtaking the clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us as we discuss complex issues facing the local church as it serves Christ in obedience to the Great Commission. This is Mission of the Nations with host Grant Fawcett. Hey everybody, welcome to Mission of the Nations. I'm sure you're wondering where Mark and Venus are. Uh, they are taking a break for the summer, and we'll be back in the studio recording with them, Lord willing, in October. For today, I have with me Perry Edwards, and we are going to be discussing short-term missions and the impact of that and sort of the good and bad and, and how it is best approached. Um and some of the things surrounding that. So it's nice to have you here, Perry. And uh, we're going to, well, I, I guess I should say, Perry is the new pastor at our local church, Living Way Baptist Fellowship. So now I can steal him whenever I feel like it for podcasts. That's true. It's my pleasure to be here with you, Grant, and I look forward to having this conversation together. What part's true? The part where I can steal you for podcasts whenever I want, or the part where you're the pastor or... Or both? It's both true. Okay. <laughs> well, it is good. And and uh, now Mission of the Nations, we've we've only done a few of these over the last couple of years. Um, the whole purpose of this discussion is sort of to answer some of the questions people have about missions, why they happen, how they happen, what's the best way to approach them, and those sorts of things. We've discussed a number of different things about missions. Uh, over the years. Today, I thought it would be helpful if we talked about short-term missions, because I know you've been involved in, I guess, what you might call short-term missions over the last... Yeah, I started in short-term missions back in 2005, and I work with a ministry called Cary Outreach Ministries. Uh, The purpose of the ministry is to send professors, teachers, pastors to developing countries uh, to provide theological education for men Um, who are unable to get it for financial reasons or just having no schools or opportunities in the area. So what does it look like? I mean, you you go to other places and teach theology. What is that like, you know, in a practical way? Yep. So basically um, what will happen, let's take the Philippines for an example. I've spent a lot of time in the Philippines. And uh, twice a year we will send a professor over to the country. He'll spend two weeks. Uh, One week he will teach one subject, whether it be a Bible subject or church history or whatever it may be, and then he'll teach something for the second week. So we'll gather together 50 or 60 or 70 pastors from different parts of the Philippines, bring them together to one place, feed them, care for them, house them, and just immerse them in biblical teaching for a two-week period. So we'll do that twice a year in uh, a variety of different countries. Okay, so, I mean, from a, I guess, a, a layman's perspective, there it sounds like there's a couple of aspects to that that are valuable, right? You're doing theology study with pastors, teaching, learning, but there's also a fellowship portion 
I assume of that. What what's that like? That part, the the fellowship, being being together with all of these pastors from mm. another culture. I mean, it's personally, it's it's a wonderful thing to be able to go to different countries and to meet men in ministry. Uh, planting churches and pastoring churches to be able to get to know them, to eat with them and travel with them, preach with them, uh, you know, do ministry together for a couple of weeks. It, For me personally, it is enriching. And one of the benefits of that, of course, as a pastor is that I'm able to go back to my own local church in Canada and get them excited about the missions as well. I'm excited. That translates into excitement in the church uh, as as I present the ministry to them. Mm, it sounds really good. I, I've often thought about short-term missions. You know, we have short-term missions come to Arrowhead. You know, a team will be developed at a church. We're, we're seeing that happen right now for summer. Um, they'll, they'll plan the trip. They'll fundraise. They'll come. They'll serve. Um, and then they'll go back. But I've, I've thought about short-term missions and, and I've had sort of a love-hate relationship. I guess I might say it that way. I, I've, I've got a dualistic perspective of it because it seems like some, and I don't want to seem overly critical, but sometimes short-term missions end up more like a, vaca- like a theological vacation than ministry. Uh, and I've often felt that the most effective ones seem to be the ones that connect with an existing ministry. Do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I have the same sort of love-hate relationship with the way we do short-term missions today. I think there probably is a more effective way of doing it. So, for example, uh, in my previous congregation, um, I, would, I would go overseas, I would teach, I would preach, I would get to know the people, get to know the needs of the people, and then come back and present that to my local church. And what we did is over a period of a number of years is we would send money to the Philippines, other countries, but I'll focus on the Philippines. And they would use that to um, construct churches, uh, to buy property for the construction of churches, depending on how much we sent, they may be able to do a partial church. But it wasn't us going over there and trying to build the church for them. We sent the funds so that they could build their own buildings. They have the expertise They have the materials, they know how to build buildings for their own country, and I think sometimes that that is more effective than sending, you know, a group of young people over to help lay bricks, because they have no concept of the way they do it in in the country. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me it's better to raise the money, send the money to a trusted missions group or church group in the country so that they can just do the work themselves. Yeah, I I agree. I've... The, the tension of that has always been sort of ripe when I hear stories and see pictures of, of the, of the trips that, that happen, you know, and, and I, I think it's rooted a little bit in, I mean, I, I've been critical on this podcast and in other places about the easy believism culture that exists in this, this sort of. Uh, fast food perspective of evangelism and discipleship and Bible teaching. And I often wonder if some of those trips are seeded in that kind of thinking. Like, like if I go for this one week, then I have fulfilled my particular mandate to be a mission, to be a evangelist or a, a gospel communicator. And, and, and I, I, I worry about that because I feel like it's rooted in sort of Western 
church mentality instead of long longevity. Yeah, and I think that there's a certain attitude that um, we, we do it better than you do. And so we will send our people to do evangelism, and we will teach you how to do evangelism as though they don't know how to do it in their own context. But, but the reality is they do. They're living in the villages. They have relationship with the um, different business people in the community, with their neighbors and whatnot. And they are better equipped to reach their own people for Christ than we are. It seems to me that training, from my perspective anyway, sending qualified teachers into a country to help train pastors so that they can go back to their congregations and work with their congregation, that that's a more effective way of cultivating and developing evangelism in these countries rather than sending a whole bunch of people to just hand out tracts for a week. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how effective that is. I think we need a more long-term strategy of, of training and developing leaders, native leaders, who can, in their own country, do the work of evangelism. Yeah, I've even thought about the same thing with respect to the Samaritan's Purse, um, the shoebox program. And, and again, I'm not trying to like throw that program under the bus. I'm sure it's done a lot of good work. But I was at a church one time where instead of doing the shoebox at Christmas time, they raised a certain quantity of money per child and then sent that to a church in Russia that would then use those funds in an appropriate way to, to make Christmas a ministry arm of their church for children in their community. And I thought like what an effective ministry tool that is. So this church is then supporting the work of a, of a church on the ground instead of just putting a bunch of trinkets in a box. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're right because it's local church focused. You're sending money to a local church. They know the needs of their community. They know what needs to be purchased and where it should be distributed um, and we, I think we just need to realize that these, these uh, Christians in other countries are more than able to do the work of evangelism. We don't have to do it for them, but we can provide resources. What we actually do have are resources, mm -hmm. and we can send those resources that enable them to do more in their communities for the cause of the gospel. Yeah, I, and I, I mean, it's another big missiology word. I like missiology words and big words, but ethnocentrism mm. is a, is a missiology word that talks about the reality that my culture does things the right way because it's my culture. Mm. I think the right way because I think this way. Mm. And we tend to export that when we go or when we, when we do anything and, and you're right. Sanctification is this funny thing. God saves people and then he sanctifies them and he does that in every culture. Like he, he doesn't require our culture to sanctify another culture because ours isn't sanctified anyway. Well, and, and I mean, the truth of the matter is that we have a, a larger growing number of missionaries who are being sent to our country in Canada because there's such a great gospel need. So it's not that we know what we're doing and we're going to tell you how to do it. The fact is we need missionaries coming and preaching the gospel in our, in our own country. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's something that I'm confronted with here at Arrowhead sometimes mm. is this idea that missions doesn't really exist in Canada, that, that somehow our mission as missionaries with NCEM is lesser because it's not geographically somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It's no less intercultural and it's no less important. It's a little different than, than 
overseas missions, but there are those who, who feel that, you know, it's invalid because, you know, there's internet and there's TV and there's books and, and those kinds of things. Yeah. And I, and to go back to, um, something earlier about sending, um, you know, these groups to other countries to, you know, construct a building or, or, or that sort of thing. My question to many of those people who spend the money to go overseas for a week or two, you know, to do the work of evangelism, quote unquote, or whatever they're doing, my question would be, what are they doing at home? Mm. Because many of these same people, you don't see them, you know, in the streets of our cities handing out tracts, but for some reason, they think by doing it in another country, they're doing something more radical for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we need to change that mentality and people need to realize if you're helping a local camp, if you're helping a local soup kitchen, if you're serving faithfully in your local church and reaching out for Christ in your community, you're doing missions as much as somebody who may be going overseas. I would take that another step further, I think. And I would say, if you're wanting to go overseas, are you involved in your church? Mm. If you're not involved in your local church at all, and you feel a burden to go overseas. And some people will say, I felt a call to go for a short-term trip. You are literally called in scripture to be an active, vibrant part of your local fellowship. So if you're not fulfilling that obediently, how can you fulfill obediently an overseas mission? Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It all begins at the local church and nobody should be sent on any sort of missions trip, if we want to call it that, mm-hmm. who's not... Uh, an active, faithful Christian serving in their own local church. Because sometimes I think, especially with student groups, that we send you know all the students in a church or in a classroom at a Christian school thinking that this missions trip is somehow going to transform their lives. And in some cases it does. Mm-hmm. And it may plant a seed for future missions. But uh, for a lot of the young people, it really doesn't change anything. They're not active in their local church. They may not even be a Christian when they go. Um, and, and I think there's a more effective way of of doing ministry than, mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. And I mean, we've thought about that even here at Arrowhead. It doesn't, the ministry here at Arrowhead is meant to be evangelistic so that those who don't know Jesus can be exposed to the story of Jesus and the work he has done. It doesn't exist particularly for the sanctification of the staff, right? That That's a good byproduct. Like if, if the staff can come here and grow in the Lord, then, then that's really great. But if that's the entire purpose in you sending someone to us, then that's not exactly the the mission that we have. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, when I go to teach uh, for two weeks in another country, there's no question that I benefit from that. Standing up there and and teaching and pouring my heart out and and, uh, just immersing ourselves in the Word of God for two weeks, I benefit from that. But that's not my purpose in going. Mm. My purpose in going is to build up the pastors in uh, that country so that they can go back and minister to their congregations and build those congregations up. But there's always, when you're using your spiritual gifts, there's always a personal benefit right. that, come, that comes with that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so I, I guess in summary, <laughs> I don't know how to summarize <laughs> this conversation, but uh, I, I feel like there is a place for short-term missions but our heart in doing it and the way in which we express it matters. And it seems to me that the most valuable short-term missions are the ones that support an existing church or parachurch that's doing work there already. Mm. In, no, in the I, I agree with that. And I think that, um, 
I think the local church is primary in the plan of God. And I think whatever we do in short-term missions, it should be to build up the church, the local church or local churches in the country where we're going. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to be much more selective in who we actually send on these missions groups. Um, I don't think it should just, should just be the whole class of kids, you know, from this Christian school or your whole youth group at the church. I think we need to be more selective and provide specific training and development and discipleship for those that we send on short-term missions, you know, with, with the thought that maybe it will turn into long-term missions for mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. I think that um, before we finish up, I'll just say, I think that the key there for training is important because... It's been my experience here that we, we have a training weekend that we require people to participate in, mm -hmm. and I have a hard time convincing people that it's necessary. Either they're not interested in investing the, the day and a half that's required, or they feel that they have nothing to learn and nothing to benefit from, and and yet there's so much about how we do things and why and, and you know, the nuts and bolts of the gospel mm -hmm. and a lack of desire to engage with that kind of training to me is indicative of maybe you're not called to come. To and, and it's also, I think, an indication of pride because humility would mean that you'd be willing to submit yourself to further training because you recognize that there's always need for growth in your life. Mm. If we ever get to the place where we think that this training doesn't apply to me, I don't think we're in a good place spiritually. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's all really helpful. And I appreciate you chatting with me about all of these things. It and was my pleasure to be with you. And I'm sure we'll have more of these talks in the future. We will. Perry will hopefully be a regular over the course of our summer podcast. So wonderful. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio, a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. Visit our website at arrowheadnbc.com for more information. Look for a new episode next week wherever you find your favorite podcasts.